everybody. Welcome to the Tuesday Toolbox meeting of adult children of alcoholics in Cobbleville, Brooklyn. My name is Anne. I'm a Tuesday Toolbox member and an adult child. We're recording our speakers every week because we're hoping others will benefit from hearing these stories from our members. We'd love to hear your comments and questions. Our email address is TuesdayToolboxACA at gmail.com. Also, whether you're listening to SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher, please take a minute to read our podcast. It will help others find it. Adult Children of Alcoholics is a 12-step program of recovery for people who grew up in an alcoholic or otherwise dysfunctional home. If you'd like to find a meeting in your area, go to adultchildren.org and click on Find a Meeting. This week, we're hearing again from me, and my topic was cultivating your inner parent. Please enjoy. And so please help me to welcome uh, our speaker tonight, Anne. 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 Hi everyone, I'm Anne. Hey. I'm an adult child of an alcoholic. I've been coming to ACA for about five and a half years, although I'm not sure. I'm really happy to see some people at their first meeting. I don't remember my first meeting because I when I was at my first ACA meeting, I didn't know that it was an ACA meeting. I thought it was this weird Al-Anon meeting. I didn't know what was going on. And then I went back and I kept calling it the bizarro Al-Anon meeting. And then later I learned that it was, and I'm like, why do they have other literature? And I just didn't understand what was going on. Anyway, um, so really not sure how long I've been in this program, but I can say I'm a super grateful ACA member. Um, I love the fact that although ACA has been around for several, I don't know how long, since like the late 70s, as far as I know, it, the sort of form that it's taken now has only been around for about 12 years. And one of the things I learned at an early meeting I went to is this is kind of new technology that we didn't really have before. It's like um, if you were an alcoholic in the 1920s, there wasn't any hope for you. If you were an alcoholic in the 1940s, you might get lucky and find a meeting. And now if you're an alcoholic, it's kind of like ridiculous if you don't go to meetings and recover. It's kind of the same way with ACA. Um, you know, when I was in AA for a long time, I didn't know that ACA existed. And there were all these things that I felt were wrong with me or that I was still suffering so much, even though I had a super good AA program, I was doing all the things. Um, but there were some things that just weren't getting any better. And um, wrong technology. It wasn't developed to fix the problems that I had. And I'm really glad that ACA is here and that it did. Um, I'll say that it's, what it's given me is a level of um, enjoyment and confidence and comfort. And in my everyday day-to-day -day life, and also freedom from a lot of the like super wacko reactions I used to have to little things. I would just like fly off the handle or burst into tears or just feel completely overwhelmed at very minor events and I didn't know why and I just felt, I felt like a three-year-old. You know why? Because I was a three-year-old. There were parts of me that were three, still three years old that, that no one was taking care of and that three-year-old would just like come out at the most inopportune moments, you know, at work or when I was talking to my boyfriend or whatever and throw a tantrum and I was like, whoa, what was that? And then I'd have to go and apologize, like, I'm sorry I hit you. You know, I'm sorry I cried through the meeting. I'm sorry I broke your coffee maker, whatever. Um, I, don't ha I, I don't have to be afraid now of like what kind of reactions are gonna come out of me. 
it's really nice to have confidence to know that whatever comes up, I'll probably respond in a fairly normal, appropriate way in most occasions. Um, I don't, I'm not afraid of myself anymore, and I'm not afraid of my reactions. And I'm fairly proud of the person that I am, and also of my ability to help other people. I can help people with things that I wasn't able to help them with before, and that really helps make me feel good. Um, so the tool I wanted to talk about today is self-acceptance, and I'm going to start with reading a section from the Red Book, um, which kind of describes the opposite of self-acceptance, which is perfectionism. It's in chapter two. Um, I'm just going to read a couple paragraphs. Um, one is where it starts out uh, identifying perfectionism. So it talks about what it is and how it develops. And I want to add that in AA, I learned a, a wonderful, um, what do you call a thesaurus word? Synonym, thank you, for perfectionism, and that's being demanding. You know, because perfectionism has this very, like, very kind of like nice quality sound to it. Like, oh, I'm a perfectionist. Like, you know, what's wrong with that? But really, you're just being demanding on yourself, on others, and on life to provide more than you can possibly achieve or the other person can achieve or what life can possibly give you. You're being an asshole, pretty much. When you're being a perfectionist, that's like demanding asshole. Same thing. <laughs> perfectionism and forms of perfectionism exist in all types of alcoholic and dysfunctional homes. There's a difference between parents challenging their children to reach higher and to improve and the damaging perfectionism in which the bar keeps being raised beyond reason. Perfectionism is a response to a shame-based and controlling home. The child mistakenly believes that he or she can avoid being shamed if she is perfect in her thinking and acting. However, our experience shows that expectations are continually raised in these kinds of homes. Shame or the feeling that we have failed our parents seems to occur no matter what we do. During these moments, a critical inner voice begins to form. This is an early sign of internalizing our parents' hypercritical attitude. These are the seeds that lead to a lack of self-acceptance. I think we all have our own stories about the weird form of perfectionism My your parents treatment of you took. Mine was like, I think it's kind of easy to label your parents as being demanding and perfectionistic if they like demand like straight A's because that's like such a cliche. You know, like no matter how, how good my grades were, my, you know, they were like, why didn't you get an A plus? But my, my dad wasn't like that. He was super eccentric. So his demands were like weird. I can't even, I don't even, I can't even to this day tell you what it would have taken to please him because it changed from day to day, from moment to moment. Um, basically, he wanted, to be a he wanted me to be a weird genius, but I wasn't sure what that meant. And I don't think he did either. And sometimes I was the most amazing child that ever lived. And sometimes his contempt for me was just through the roof. The disgust he had for me when I would do something like spill my milk you know, or use the wrong vocabulary word, or state the wrong opinion, was just like, I don't know, it was like the way you would react to, um, I don't know. He was just like, it, it, it never occurred to me when I was a kid that this was like weird or unfair behavior. I really thought that I deserved it, and I kept trying to like shift who I was and what I said and what I did in an effort to try and like figure out the magic formula that would earn his 
acceptance and love and approval and stop the like the violence and the contempt and the disgust and I to this day I still haven't figured that out I still don't know and neither has anyone else like no one else in my family can even my dad I don't think even he even he couldn't explain what's good and what's bad he just you know he knows it when he sees it and that changes from day to day so I was confused I definitely felt there was something wrong with me that, that he kept reacting in all these like weird ways, but I couldn't figure out what it was. So then I'm gonna read another passage from the Red Book where it talks about what happens, you know, what kind of adults we turn out to be when we grow up in perfectionistic homes. It says, perfectionism fuels, fueled our people-pleasing trait and fear of authority figures. For some of us, it fueled our workaholism and lust for recognition to soothe our praise deficit. Many adult children have rooms filled with plaques and trophies for achievement, yet the person never seems at peace. The person is not sure if he or she is competent despite the evidence that would support the competency. These adults are preoccupied with planning the next challenge. They seem to be seeking an achievement high. Our perfectionism as adults represents an internalization of our parents' attitudes and discontent with self. Many of our parents truly wanted the best for us, but they handed off a sense of being incomplete as a person. We could never win enough awards or finish a project that made us feel whole. For most of us, our parents never said, you have done enough. Take time to enjoy your accomplishment. Relax. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine <laughs> your parents telling you just like, you've done great, take the day off. <laughs> <laughs> What parent ever said that? Anyway, what we wind up doing is we wind up internalizing those attitudes. And I don't think I had a day in like 40 years where I was like, Ann, you've done enough. <laughs> take the day off. I do that now. Like every other day, I take the day off. Yeah. You know, that's really, really wonderful. Um, but that starts with the self-acceptance. So I want to talk a little bit about um, how I practice self-acceptance. First, I want to acknowledge how hard it is, because I think we all have the same attitude toward ourselves that our parents did, like, I'll accept you when, when you're good enough. And we have no real clear understanding of what good enough means. And the truth is that we have a built-in, you know, it's like the carrot on the stick. Like you can keep going, but the stick is going to keep going out further, you know? So it doesn't matter how much you've accomplished. You will still feel, if, if your goal is to like accomplish something so that you will be able to accept yourself, you will never reach that goal. You have to accept yourself at some point, and that point has to be like today. That's the only time you can ever accept yourself is like right now with, with, with everything that's going on with you. And that's really hard because you're like, but I don't want to be like this. I don't want, I don't like this person. I, I'm ashamed of this person. This person hasn't accomplished enough. Like, I don't, want to, I don't want to be stuck here. But what I found is that when I can accept myself just as I am, a lot of the icky character defects that I don't like just go away by themselves because they come out of my lack of self-love, right? Like, I'm a big approval seeker because I don't approve of myself. So then I act in weird ways to try to get attention. Or um, 
you know, I'm, I'm really jealous of people because I feel like I don't have enough and I'm not enough. But if I really believed that I was okay just the way I am, I wouldn't feel jealous of you. I'd be happy for you if you got something great. Um, the way I kind of have practiced self-acceptance is I've made up my own affirmations. Um, you all probably know that in ACA, or if you're new in ACA, we use a lot of affirmations, and they're very effective tools if they, I don't know if they're used carefully. Um, some of my favorite affirmations are, it is okay to be needy. Which no one ever told me in like, but it has to be okay, because I am. And I don't want to not love myself. Um, it is okay to seek approval. It is okay to have a praise deficit. It is okay to be lonely. It is okay to feel overwhelmed. Like all these things I feel like are so shameful and wrong with me, I'm like, it's okay. And um, I'll tell you two reasons that why it's okay. One is I know it's okay to have these things because I know from having worked the ACA steps, especially one and four, that I have these traits because of the home I grew up in. They're not things that are inherently wrong with me. They're, they're sort of patterns and tendencies that I developed that anybody would develop if they grew up in a similar home. It's not my fault. It's my responsibility to take care of it now, but it's not my fault. So it has to be okay. If it wasn't okay, that would be like super unfair. And then the other thing is the reason I can accept and be like, it's okay to feel lonely, needy, overwhelmed, shy. It's okay to be boring. It's okay to you know, be this and that is because I have an ACA program and I go to meetings every week. I have a sponsor. I sponsor somebody. I work the steps. So I'm doing everything I can to address these issues. And how fast I make progress is not up to me. All I can do is do the best I can, and that has to be good enough. Um, and I really have trust and faith in this program because I've seen how much it's helped me and I've seen how much it's helped other people in the room. You know, So I can accept exactly who I am today because, because I don't want to miss any of this. I'm on, I'm, I'm on this little journey, you know? I don't want to skip over the part where I go from like being completely overwhelmed to not overwhelmed at all. I want to have the whole thing. I want to be in the part where I'm like sometimes overwhelmed and sometimes not. I want to have the part of my life where sometimes I'm lonely and sometimes I'm not. I don't want to miss it because I want to be able to share it with other people, right? Um, I don't want to skip over any of it. The last thing I want to talk about is um, the really, really, really wonderful thing I think that accepting yourself does is that it sort of grows the part of you that is loving and accepting. When I can say like, wow, I really accept this part of myself that's lonely or angry or confused or jealous or rageful or you know, can't stop eating cashews or whatever. Um, 
then I become like super aware of this part of myself that's not the part that's eating too many cashews and is lonely and afraid. You know, it's this bigger part of myself that in ACA they call the loving parent. And in ACA they say like the loving parent is part of everybody. It's inside of everybody, this ability to like love and accept and care for yourself. And it's just a part of yourself that needs to be developed. And the more I accept the parts of myself that I don't want to, the more the loving parent grows. And the more I stop identifying with being this like afraid, ashamed, lost, scared, weak little kid, and the more I identify with being the parent who totally accepts this kid and like, I don't care what kind of fuss you make. I don't care how lonely you are. Like, I love you. You're fine. You're great. And then I feel like I'm this very powerful, generous, sweet, kind, caring, patient person. And then I can go out like that and I can be that way with my neighbors and with people at the meetings and people at work everywhere I go and I'm not this like little kid who needs everyone to like parent me I, I'm not gonna parent you you know <laughs> but I can definitely be a person who loves and accepts you and wants wants the best for you instead of worrying about what you think of me that's a really good feeling so that's that's the spiel thank you